The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Roundball Ramble. You would think I'd have the name my show down pat, but I don't. Uh, I'm your host, Corbin Ford Doak. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out HoopBall. I say this all the time, hoop-ball.com, online on Twitter, HoopBallTweets, at HoopBallTweets. Make sure to check that out. I'm joined by my good friend, my, I mean, at this point, basically a co-host of the show. I mean, it's pretty crazy, Justin Matcham. Uh, you can find him. He's the host of his own show, Uh Cap Central Pod, check that out, part of the Hoop Heads Pod Network, which I'm also happy to be part of there. Definitely make sure to look at them and check out the content they have going on. But aside from that, just all-around NBA dude, Justin, how is it going, bro? You know what? It's a good night. You know, I mean, your Lakers won, like we said. The Cavs, <laughs> yep. the Cavs eked out a W against the Timberwolves, which is not really that impressive. But at the same time, you know what? I thought the Timberwolves played a couple of good games, so and the Cavs Tried to give it away at the end, but came back and made some clutch plays. I uh, I, I assume you're still you're still riding the high from last night. Oh oh, dude! Let, let, thank you, thank you for that. That's a perfect transition. I am totally okay. So there's a thing. In fact, a shout to Becca Winkert. She uh, had retweeted. There's a cup that's already been made. A mug, a twenty dollar mug that you know I got. Um, that has uh, I think it's seven and six seconds, and it, it's like literally it documents the final play. Uh, with Russell Westbrook hitting that three to win the game for the for the Wizards over the Nets, 149-146 final victory. I'm rattling this off the dome, y'all. That's how hyped I was. Let me tell y'all, I was hooting, I was hollering, I was hyped. Like, like, it took, I was so excited. You would have thought I immediately went on Twitter, but I was just like, yeah, yeah. Like it was, dude. I'm telling you, I am pumped. I told he was gonna have a good game. To mind you, you know, I think you and other guys came. I tagged everyone. I was tagging all the implied haters, even the ones who weren't even haters. Like, I wouldn't call you a hater, but even those who just, let's just say, would be more realistic. Nah, no time for realism right here, guys. We we had to we had to give some love to Russ. Um, the dude, let, let's just be real, though. Like, yeah, is he going to go 41-10-8 shooting 57% from the field and 55% from three? Someone on Facebook, and you know when I said that, I've already messed up, right? Someone on Facebook, but I'm just going to go there. Um, they had retweeted his stat. They had, like, put out a stat line. And they said, you know, he shot 57% from the field, 50% from three. Russell Westbrook is back. And I was like, oh, guys. Like, I'm the biggest Russell Westbrook defender out there. But, like, 50% from the field, if, if Russ was never back, we've never seen him. Like, like, like that's that's mad efficiency numbers for that guy. Like, it's really, like, 45% from the field, 44 43% from the field, 32 31% from three. But, like, give us that same stat line. But that was nice. I think re- – I really, really think that a lot of what ailed him was that quad injury. No, for sure. And, you know, I think so much of what has been, you know, recent, you know, something you can point your finger to, I guess is what I'm trying to say, for Russ Lander you look at his underperformance in the playoffs in the bubble, the guy was coming off a quad injury. He was coming off of a time when he had COVID. Um, you look at, you know, some of the struggles he had again, as of late, he's been dealing with kind of, again, you know, the quad injury. That's especially for a guy that's explosive as, as explosive as him. Like that stuff's not easy to play on. I can mm-hmm. tell you, I've, 
I dealt with some quad injuries in high school. That stuff sucks. Like, it, it, someone who, you know, needs to run and, you know, I, I obviously he's not been, you know, his, his mid-range and three-point game has kind of fallen off of a cliff. But when you don't really feel confident, you know, exploring to the rim in the way that, you know, he's always been able to, yeah, I kind of, you know, at the same time can understand him settling sometimes just because he's, that's just, you know, what he's able to do at the moment when he's kind of coming off of an injury like that. So, Overall, yeah, really, really good to uh, to see him shoot the ball well again. Uh, that had to, you know, really just feel good for him as well. And uh, shout out to uh, Joe Harris for making it all possible. Yeah, I mean, listen, Joe Harris, he went off thirty points, career high eight three pointers, but he did make just the horrible pass. He thought that KD was going to fade out toward the three point line when KD was cutting toward the basket, just lofted a horrible pass that Garrison Matthews picked off. You know pass it open to Russell Westbrook. As we all know, when you give it to a guy like that, a noted sharpshooter like Westbrook, you know bad things are going to happen to the opposition, and Westbrook knocked down the three. <laughs> but no, real talk, I mean, <laughs> that game was a lot. I hope that it galvanizes that Wizards roster because they've just, they've had just a mess. I mean, forget horrible performances, one of the worst defenses around if, of course, Brooklyn didn't exist. Um, and also losing half their players for almost, you know, a month now doing the COVID and, and, and COVID-related contact tracing, things of that sort. You know, they've been disjointed. Uh, Bradley Beal's been balling out, really the only guy who has. Russell Westbrook's been out of it and just uh, unhealthy looking up until the last two games. So you hope that this is going to help a team that, let's be real, I mean, modestly, even myself with Russell Westbrook, I went, oh, yay, this is definitely a playing team. You know, maybe an eighth seed if I was being mm-hmm. super optimistic, but nobody saw them, you know, top five, top six. So the fact that they start off in so bad as they are, four and 12 now, it's still a hole. But at the same time, I mean, they're only three games out of eighth. Um, it's still young, and Orlando, you know, they've not only been a little fading, but they also lost uh, another important guy in Aaron Gordon for a couple weeks now. So you have to hope that uh, if you're a Washington fan, they take advantage of this and win some of the games they're supposed to win, uh, maybe squeak out some of the games they're not supposed to win and, you know, put themselves in play to see what happens. Yeah, and one one quick thing about uh, Washington in particular. Mm-hmm. What has happened to Davis Breton? That's my question. Yeah, there was something I I think I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, he went and he made like a crazy uh wide open. No, I saw shout out to Aaron Washington on uh, on uh, Instagram if I remember. But uh uh at a underscore a r o n two five. There you go. Um, but anyway, he was showing on Instagram that uh Davis Bertans made this crazy three point to end like the first quarter, right? Fading to the left, whatever the case may be. Just a couple plays later, you know, a little bit later down the line, same first half, same exact play, not fading, wide open, able to get his feet set, the ball barely hits the rim. Um, and it was, it's crazy, because you're right, they, they give that guy, what, five years, 80? No. Yeah, um, about I, Yeah, about that, and that's, that's a crazy amount for a sharpshooter, and... You know, with the way that he played last year, of course. Like, yeah, you, you got to break the bank. I get that. But if you look at it right now, the guy shooting 32% from three, you know, 10 points, three rebounds, that's a lot of change for, for a guy that's supposed to be delivering the goods from the three-point line. You know what I mean? For his career, he's a 40% three-point shooter. If it ends up right now, if the season was to end right now, this would be his worst year by far shooting the three ball. And he's shooting it on just about eight attempts a night, which is, well, exactly eight attempts a night, which is second most in his career so far in terms of attempts per game. So, I mean, you could chalk up a bunch of it of conditioning, I'm sure. Uh, but at this point in the season, I don't know if you can. It's been a couple weeks now. I mean, he's been absent some, so I guess you can give him a little more leeway, a little more latitude, if you will, in that department. But at the same time, 
I, I mean, this isn't what you're expecting, right? Yeah, I'm, you mentioned, you know, just the, the – we all know the year that he had last year. It's what got him paid. Yeah, but, 42. Yeah, put up almost on, nine point, almost, put up almost nine threes a game and shot it at 42.5%. He's down essentially 10% from last year on only less than one less attempt per game. <laughs> I mean – Exactly. It doesn't make sense. I don't know. If, I mean, right now he's not starting technically Danny Abdia and, and Rui are starting over him. But between, and I guess this is part of the reason that I'm just really kind of down on Washington in general right now, is between obviously the Thomas Bryan injury, which was you know a huge blow to this team, yeah. and a guy like Thomas Bertans having just you know an extremely underwhelming start to the season. We'll see if he can recover. Those two guys were kind of the reason I was really excited to have Russell Westbrook on this team in the first place, because I was thinking you know okay. Thomas Bryant, you know, really kind of took steps as a shooter in the bubble. You know, he's really going to, you know, put that on display this season. Uh, Davis Bertans is going to do what he does. You know, that's going to be one of the best shooters Russ has ever played with. Uh, and that's going to open up the floor along with Bradley Beal and whoever else is on the floor of them. Mm-hmm. And that just hasn't been the case. You have Denny and Rui who aren't really shooters. Uh, you have Robin Lopez who, you know, has stopped shooting threes. Um <laughs> <laughs> they didn't play him a lot last night, but you're you're relying on some Alex Len minutes. Um, yeah, it's just it's been tough for them, you know. And just kind of going back to, I guess I'll just, yeah, I'm, I, I kind of like to be critical of Westbrook sometimes as well. You know, everyone does it's fun, but um, <laughs> apparently overall, so. Like, you can see, you can see, like, you can't blame him for everything, you know, like. This situation was supposed to be a lot better for him than it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said that that is for certain. You know, the situation of having a, a roster more tailor-made to his strengths, more um, forgiving of his weaknesses, and you don't have that now. You're playing lineups with Ish Smith alongside him. You know, I think uh, Brooks has done a better job uh, of playing with those two, keeping them on the floor. I mean, he likes to stagger them, but at this point in time, uh, maybe you can now with Russ looking a little bit healthier, but the way they were doing it before, you're looking at Russ as the main offensive engine. He didn't have the juice to get to the rim, didn't have the legs on him to get the jump shot off accurately, accurately and that's already notoriously, uh, let's just say, you know, sh- shaky as it is. So you're relying on a lot of inefficient shot creation with no shooting on the floor outside of a really rough Davis Bertans right now. So, you know, it wasn't helping anyone. You were kind of putting out a bad lineup for Russell Westbrook to work with, and then you were giving next to no freedom for Bradley Beal, who was still scoring at a much higher and, and more devastating clip than Westbrook. But, I mean, he's doing it almost in spite of the team. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, <laughs> I think that's about as well as you can put it. Yeah, so, um, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I look at where Washington is so far. I, I like to take stock in the fact that I think they can bounce back in a major way from the way they played so far. You know what I mean? In, in terms of uh, not in the health. I mean, obviously losing Thomas Bryant. I mean, that's that's huge. The guy, you know, defensively, yeah, it was rough. But like the guy was playing really good. Um, and now you have a game tomorrow against the Blazers. Then a back-to-back set against. Well, not a back-to-back set, but you have a game against the Blazers, followed by a, a series against the Heat. And then you're looking at a, a game against the Hornets, the Bulls, and the Raptors. Now I'm looking at these games and I'm like, ah, you know, like the Blazers shorthanded as well. But defensively, I mean. 
I don't know if Damian Lillard's going to find himself having any issues. That's just my thing. And then the Heat are a rough team already. Plus, they're smarting from some losses. They just had one today we can talk about later. Uh, then the, the Hornets are no pushovers, you know, especially if Malik Monk turns into the second coming of Ray Allen out there. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Bulls have already given the Wizards their issues early. And the Raptors, I mean, they're, these this team is better than the record would tell you. So looking at all that, I, I mean, can the Wizards afford to go two out of five? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'll still say it's early enough to where they could afford to, you know, go two for five here. But um, it's, it's got to turn around for them at some point. Like, I just, where do you see the real improvement, like the, the large leap coming from? I feel like so much of it, because Bradley Beal is doing what Bradley Beal can do. I feel like it has to just kind of depend on Davis Breton turning it around. Like, I feel like that's kind of the thing that will save their season at this point, if it's going to happen. Yeah, for me, it, it comes down to Davis Bertans spa- stepping up in a major way, you're right. But I also look at Russell Westbrook. And I say this not to be even funny, but, like, if Russell Westbrook can come back and have a month like he did last season, uh, I think this time, for the Rockets, mm-hmm. that got him from, like, you know, a very rough season to, like, all-star and, you know, all-NBA ultimately being on that team, you know, then I think you're good. All you need is another just super efficient month for him, you know? And, and in a way that makes it so you're putting pressure on, opening other stuff for others. I think that he showed that he still has that gear. Mind you, I want to see if it's more sustainable. He had a good game before the Nets. And then granted, I mean, this was the Nets, so the defense was, was rough to begin with. But looking at that, if you could have a strong – ideally, if both of them were to step up and come through in major ways, that will be beneficial for this squad. But, you know, that being said, if I'm not looking at Dallas Bertans just finally coming back to even a 36 37% clip, you know, even, you know, more in line with his mm-hmm. career. Yeah, this stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then Russell Westbrook steps up and, and shows, okay, I'm not totally gone, you know, and I think he has then, okay, the Wizards are a lot more competitive on the floor, and they, maybe they're more of the team that, yeah, they're not going to win a lot of these games outright, of course, but they're more of the team that we expected they would have been when the season started just because of the talent that was supposed to be on the floor. What have you thought of Denny Abdia for this team this season? I mean, from what I've – it's weird because, like, from what I've seen of him, I think he's had his moments. Um, I, I'm not blown away. I mean, mind you, he – Hadn't even played the last couple of games. I don't remember him doing too much against the Nets yesterday. I'm trying to look at the numbers now. No, he didn't. Okay, cool. But, like, in general, I mean, I wouldn't have done it. I I, 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 I mean, in terms of his fit on Washington, I thought it was just different. Um, I think that ultimately he can kind of grow into, like, this guy. He's I almost wanted to be the guy that I want Troy Brown to be for this team. Like, a playmaking guy who could shoot a little bit, kind of do like a – I don't want to compare in that straight archetype, but in that type of player, like a Lamar Odom type thing, like a little bit of everything, you know, I mean? a little bit of playmaking, some rebounding, a little bit of shooting, not super great from out there, but not a total, you know, avoid at all cost type guy. Um, just kind of a jack of all trades, kind of small forward, power forward swing guy. And what I've seen, I mean, he's had moments and I don't know how much of that is due to the fact that, you know, you've had to have a, you had to have Beal go into like break the glass in case of emergency already from the get. You know, and then Russell Westbrook plays, obviously, the adjustment period with that. And also, not even having set adjustment period with Russ because of, you know, COVID and everything and injuries alongside for Russ. So, I feel like he hasn't gotten his footing, and it's probably too soon to, to pass judgment. But I haven't been, like, blown away, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've been I've been underwhelmed. Uh, I feel like he's just kind of miscast in the role that he's in. Uh, first of all, I feel like he should be more of a power forward than a small forward. Uh, 
playing. I, I don't know. Just it, it's kind of clunky right now for Washington. Uh, yeah, playing that's the word. That's the word. Him next to Rui and Robin Lopez and Russell Westbrook. I just it, the spacing is is rough in that starting lineup for you know Bradley Beal to to operate and obviously he's still doing a fantastic job, but um, I, I just feel like he's he's just he's just underutilized kind of and yeah I understand that when you're playing with with Beal and Westbrook you're not going to have the ball in your hands all the time, but I feel like I I would just like to see him in more of a I'd like to see him in more of a playmaking role than he's in right now. I feel like he's just kind of in a complimentary role, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's just not what's best for him. He kind of needs to have – I won't say he needs to have the offense, you know, run through him, but I would like to see things – I would like to see him a little bit more involved in the offense. And, again, that's, it's hard to do when the spacing is as poor as it is and you're playing with two other really bold dominant guards. But, yeah, I think, it, like you said, it, it's too early to cast judgment on the guy, but I've – been underwhelmed with what you know he's done up to this point yeah i mean i have to just immediately agree with you it's not been it's not been great uh and i i mean looking back and i don't want to look back too far it's been what we're not even halfway through the season i would say at this point right eh, yeah kind of getting yeah but at the same time like i wasn't a super huge fan of the pick when it happened you know uh as far as folks who were on the board when uh, he went down, I would have really rather had a guy like a Devin Basal. You know, I was really hoping for, and I think a lot of people were obviously uh, a Yeke Kungwu, but he was already gone, of course, by the time that happened. But then Devin Basal was a guy I was really looking at um, immediately afterwards, and at least I was a guy that had more of a defined role on this team, on just any team. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Again, the Westbrook trade hadn't happened. You could easily look at this in a way that he fit where they were going. His potential was higher. Uh, where he slots in, you know, on the next uh, iteration of a Wizards team, post-Bradley Beal, whatever the case may be. But right now, it, it's just not a good fit in my mind. And again, he hasn't found his footing yet. You know, that's what I got to say. Like, it's been a disjointed season for him uh, and for most of these Wizards. So I'm not just immediately down the guy. But I wasn't super high on him when he was selected by the Wizards. And what I've seen so far has not turned me over into that. No, I think he's shown, you know, I mean, obviously he's a rookie, you know, very few rookies are ever good defenders, but I think he's shown some solid defensive instincts. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he does have the ball in his hands, he, he shows that he, he can usually make the right decision with it. But uh, yeah, looking at you know some other options on the board for him, um, you look at well, first yeah, you look at Devin Vassell. Um, mm-hmm. I think just looking at yeah, as a shooting wing, he would fit in so much better on what this team is right now. Uh, you know, a team that's playing. Denny and Isak and, you know, Troy Brown, who is, I believe, Troy Brown's been out right now anyway. But yeah. they could they could use a, a shooter on the wing, for sure. Um, someone who, again, would, would slot in as just a nice 3 and D guy for them, I think. At, uh, at the time, uh-huh. it was more, at the time, it was just more of an upside play for him, which I understood. I don't even know if, if the Wizards thought that he would even be on the board at number nine. They may have just kind of been surprised to see that he was even there in the first place. Yeah. So I, I understood the pick. I was fine with it at the time. Uh, obviously, again, they, they didn't have Russell Westbrook at that point. But um, looking back, I mean, it's it's a lot easier to say it looking back. But they, they probably could have gone, even with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, I think, would have been. He, Tyrese Halliburton would be a big upgrade over Garrison Matthews right now. I'll say that. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tyrese been balling, but you're right. I mean, not only in terms of upside, but someone who could play both guard positions, could fit along the wing, the versatility in that. And I'm not going to go here and pretend like I knew he'd be this good. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think any of us saw this. But, like, yeah. <laughs> in short, yeah. Like, the way he's playing right now, this was – yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it would be yeah. a much better – that's all I can say. Like, I don't really know where to – like, it's not even a, a, a night and day. Garrison Matthews is a very solid shooter, you know, has a lot of heart, a lot of hustle, grit. I mean, the stuff I want from a high-end role player. But, I mean, Halliburton someone I could look at as, like, a long-term starter. And those are two different floors entirely, you know, and, and that does count for something, you know. Can I just say one more note on the Wizards before we, we hey, I don't know, yeah. talk about the Wizards for a while. <laughs> I like like I like it. We just talk an NBA recap and whatever. <laughs> Give yeah, us man. some love. But um, I got to say, I've been impressed. It, he's been – I Jerome Robinson has exceeded my expectations for this season. Really? Okay. I think that this dude, like, at this point right now, I would say more confidently – now than before the season, that this guy actually has an NBA future. Like, the, the shots haven't been falling. Like, the, the outside shots haven't been falling. I was going to say, yeah, he really haven't. <laughs> been like, rough he, out there. He's struggling from the field, but I don't know. Just watching him play overall, like, he's having a nice, you know, year from the free throw line. He's still not getting there a ton. Um, he's only playing 20 minutes. But um, I just feel like he just looks more comfortable now than he has in years past on the floor. Um, like I said, it'll still depend on whether the shot falls for him, but as someone who was just completely out on Jerome Robinson as a player, um, I think I've shown something. Like, I think this is a guy that'll at least get another chance with it. Uh, moving on. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, for someone like him who, you know, scrapping, trying to find his way to, to, to prove value in any way, even if that's like a, a, guy, a gunner off the bench, a shot creator, even if that's not a super efficient one, that's still some value, you know? And yeah, the confidence, he's definitely getting the minutes with everything going on around Washington right now. Uh, if he's able to make that pay off, if that adds another two years to his career, you know, for a young guy trying to find his way, that's, that's, that's a win, you know? And uh, that's what it looks like right now. I mean, I've not been very impressed by him. I like the fact that he just goes out there and tries to get after it. You know, I will say that. Um, but like, I, I don't know for for a shooter, a guy who takes a lot of outside shots at the at the proficiency with which he is, or rather, is not making them. I'm not super enthused by that. Yeah, like I said, he he has struggled from the field, but I just I, I guess I just from just a feel and just. He he just looks more comfortable than he ever has on the floor. I feel like even with the shots not falling, he just he just looks like I don't know exactly how to say, it, but he, he like I guess that's just the best yeah. way for me to he say. He looks it. competent looks on the floor. Like he looks like yeah. like he deserves to he be there. He just kind of looks yeah yeah. I get that. I, I, you see, I got you. I'm 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 over here. I'm the swingman piece over here. No, I, I get that. Actually, makes perfect sense to me. I'm with it for sure. But um, but yeah, let's you know what? Let's take that transition. We had a nine-game slate, would have been ten, but uh, at the last minute, that Pistons uh, Nuggets game was postponed. Had some contract tracing uh, related into Pistons camp. With all these games going on, which one do you want to get started with, Justin? You wanted to start with Cavs Timberwolves. You know what? I, I knew when I asked that it was a very high probability that you would recommend that, and I would be like, well, "Yes, <laughs> let's start with Cavs Timberwolves." Uh, <laughs> Why did you even ask? You I perfect. don't even know. <laughs> The Cavs hung on to win 100 to 98. Uh, Cavs extremely competent. The Timberwolves five and 15, but the Wolves 
came. They've been they were a scrappy team. They gave a fight. Uh, well, I'm gonna say this by the time we're listening to it last night, and uh, they even went and uh, took a game from the night before. But let's go into it, man. Tell, give us the Cavs breakdown. We get a little taste of Cavs Central up here. Well, uh, I think really the the Cavs gave away the last game and. For a moment there in the fourth quarter, a large moment in the fourth quarter, they tried to give this one away as well. Um, you know, they just—they were never really able to break away in either of these games. Um, and to their credit, the Timberwolves played really, really well in, in both of these games. Um, you know, they—they kind of cooled off from the field, but like Malik Beasley went off in the first game, uh, just shot the lights out. Uh, I thought Jaden McDaniels played a really, really good game tonight. Um, got stuffed at the rim by Javale McGee twice, but um, I, anyway, like you can you can see something there. And uh, yeah. but the Cavaliers, the, the big story here is um, one. After kind of struggling last night, Darius Garland came out and balled out tonight. Um, shot fifty percent from the field, had nineteen points, eleven assists. Uh, you know, a- any doubts that people may have had that this guy wasn't really going to be a true point guard at the, at the NBA level. Those are those are kind of going out the window pretty quick, um, and the other one, the other big thing tonight was Jared Allen, who got his first start with the Cavs, uh, put up 23 points, 18 rebounds, and had five blocks. Um, you know, just kind of uh, both Andre Drummond, well, Andre Drummond, Larry Nance, and Kevin Love were all out tonight, but the big one being Andre Drummond. Uh, mm-hmm. We just kind of got to see how this team would operate with Jared Allen as the primary center. And I got to say, as much as, you know, I acknowledge the importance of Andre Drummond to this team this season, the mm-hmm. offense just looks a lot, a lot, a lot smoother with Jared Allen on the floor. Things just kind of flow better. Uh, you know, guys are moving a lot more. Um, overall, things just kind of, the offense just kind of hums a little bit more when you're not having to, you know, have in the back of your head, okay, you know, okay, we got to get Andre's post touches. We got to let Andre get the ball on the block so we can, put up a two-footer and miss it and get his own rebound and then re- repeat that like eight times until it either goes in or is a fast break going the other way. But um, yeah. anyway, it's just it was nice to see Allen in there. Um, he played 35 minutes tonight. Like I said, shot eh, contrasting to you know Drummond, shot seven for nine from the field, Allen did, um, you know, compared to Andre who was <laughs> not shooting a good percentage at the rim. I don't have the stat pulled up in front of me, but, um, you know, Colin Sexton kind of bounced back tonight as well. Um, yeah. had 26 points. The, you know, little push shot and the floaters just continue to be, you know, absolutely lethal for him. Uh, he can get that shot pretty much whenever he wants. Uh, it was good. It was good to see JaVale McGee get some run tonight as well. Uh, with Andre out, uh, he played 13 minutes, had a few blocks. So good to see him get in there and play. <laughs> We don't know how much longer he's going to be on this team, so I gotta take I gotta take but all my Javale McGee Cavs minutes for granted. No, hey, I'm I I'm totally with it. you on that. You gotta give the guy some love. Yeah, yeah. He's I I'm telling you, I actually liked him. I didn't like him too much. Washington, maybe the Javale McGee thing took off, but like once he got to Philadelphia, I was okay. Then Dallas, Golden State. I didn't like Golden State as a rule, but like he's really grown on me in general. The dude is just an authentic. From what I can tell, obviously watching do play, never really met the guy, but like, just an authentic, fun dude. You know, you just can't help but root for him. Of course, it helped that he won a ring with my Lakers, but in general, you're like, man, this guy's fun. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
And just, I think, you know, throughout his entire time here in Cleveland, you know, someone who's coming from the, you know, the championship winning Lakers and getting traded to the Cavs, like, this guy did not have to, you know, buy into this role the way that he has. He didn't have to take on this leadership, you know, this kind of veteran leader role that he has and, you know, never hang his head, never, you know, complain, never look visibly upset, always engaged on the sidelines, cheering on his teammates. Yeah, he, he's just been a fun guy to have and uh, has been really just a true professional throughout this entire time. For sure, for sure. Uh, going over to the Timberwolves, I mean, what do we – I don't want to talk about too much, kind of. We're going to talk about teams that are uh, – should they like signs for worry in a future show and uh newsflash the wolves are definitely up there but uh what did you see from them kind of watching them a little closer tonight uh especially you know you've been out without carlton towns you kind of suffered injuries up and down the line uh you know you had Nas Reed out from the last game he was back uh tonight or last night you know uh i'm obviously looking at anthony edwards but you know malik beasley's been funny also random notes from malik beasley uh he went and like retweeted his name, uh, like self promotion for uh, NBA All Star this year, and I laughed and I laughed hard. And I, I, I I'm not saying that to disrespect Malik Beasley because on the one hand, you look at Malik Beasley's stats this season and like they're not horrible. You know what I mean? He's gotten the minutes he's proven that. Game? Yeah, 20 a game, 38% from three, 4.8 rebounds, a 2.2 assists. That has to be like a career high for him, considering you know this 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 year. Uh, it's not bad. At the same time, uh, you're playing for a 5 and 15 team. Uh, your numbers are what standard two guard numbers. You know, I, I know one ever goes, oh wow, that was a Malik Beasley standard. game. They're good. They're good. Well, what would you say? 15, yeah, I would 20 say points? that his numbers are above standard. If you're not expecting 20 points from a shooting guard. Just your average run-of-the-mill shooting guard? No. 20 what? points a night? I would say that is above average. All right, maybe, maybe, the line, maybe the line is blurry for me. Maybe I've been playing too much 2K. I'm not looking at, like, 15. I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was something that was like, eh, it's whatever. Now i got to figure out what you think your average shooting guard numbers are. Or maybe I should realize what mine are. I think okay, if you so- get in between 17 to 20, you're doing your job. If you get in, you know, 22, 23, 25, like you little upper echelon, and then, you know, you're in the well, mid-20s. Like, that's legit all-star, but, like, I don't know. I think, like... I, I hope I'm not I'm not saying you come in with a solid 15 points a night. Like, like I don't know. Like, I just, what, is, what, is, what is Tim Hardaway averaging for Dallas? You know what? Now you're about to... This is why I like when we have the... Let's, I'm about to look this up right now. Because he's someone I would look at as, like, a... a, a, a oh, 16. 16? You're like, that's 16. average. 17, 16, yeah. 7. 17, yeah, 16.8, 17, 30%. Yeah, actually, come to think of it, all right, you're right. They have pretty much the same stats, except four more points a game from Beasley. So that's what, yeah. another three? Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, I think, like, I think as far as scoring-wise, like, he's he's an above-average scorer at his position, for sure. Just subpar at everything else. I mean, I wouldn't say subpar at everything else. Like, the dude's a decent rebounder for his size, um... I think the problem with this, th- with this uh-huh. Minnesota team is just, I mean, tonight they started D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Josh Okoge, and Anthony Edwards all together. Like, yeah. you can figure out who the power forward is there because I don't know. I um, think, I mean, you, you I, listen, I don't see it, but, like, I, I would imagine that you, you look at that roster and he thinks he has some decent rebounders there. Like, that's my thing. I don't see it. I mean, not not just Beasley. I mean, Beasley right now, these these 4.8 boards he's grabbing, uh, 
actually, unless you take on the 14 games uh, he played over Minnesota, this is going to be a, a, a high for him. And you can take in, you know, minutes and everything combined, but the dude's, a, a, you know, he gets two and a half a game, right? But, like, in general, when you bring in, like you said, a Koji and these other guys, I mean, I, I get it's part of the philosophy of going small and thinking that you can like gang rebound or, or do like the pocket rockets last year. That's the only thing I could think of with that, where you think you have enough guys who rebound uh, above, they punch above their weight, above their position, but ultimately aren't collectively enough to, you know, come and take it. That, that's kind of where I look at it. And to be fair, I mean, the Cavaliers also started Torian Prince before, so they kind of went small as well. Mm-hmm. But, but um, Torian's done well, I think. I think he's better suited as a four. These last couple of games, he's had a rough, a couple of rough shooting nights. But yeah, I think you can play him at the three or four, and I think he's yeah. he can do just fine in either or. Yeah, holds up decent. Yeah, for real. But yeah, you're right. I, I, here's the thing, though. Okay, I I don't want to go too deep into it, especially if we're gonna talk about it in a couple, up, you know, next show. But like, if I'm looking at the Wolves, how much of this do you blame on the personnel surrounding Coach Sanders, and how much do you put on Coach Sanders? Or Saunders, I keep saying Sanders. Uncle Saunders, Saunders, Saunders about, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking Colonel Sanders. Anyway, how much do you put on, <laughs> how much do you put on Coach Saunders to, like, not, not use a piece of sight? I'm sorry. In my head, I just see Colonel Saunders stalking the sidelines. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm oh, man. <laughs> oh, man, that was good. All right, but how much? <laughs> how much do you look at how much blame do you basically attribute to Rosas uh, around the person I put around this team mind you injuries obviously have to come into play here in general we all no one's overlooking that but like is it more the personnel that uh, coach Saunders has worked with or is it coach Saunders himself because I don't think he's a super great coach at all I don't think he's like horrible considering kind of what he's had to work with but I, I don't really I don't know I'm asking you for a reason I guess well, I don't think that there is, like, a horrible coach in the NBA right now. Like, yeah, a lot. If you're, if you're looking at, like, if you're looking at, like, you know, just the rankings of every coach in the league, yeah, Ryan Saunders is probably near the bottom. I think that's pretty much non-negotiable at this point. And, I mean, the guy's young. He, I mean, the process that went into him even getting that job in the first place was suspect. Uh, didn't really seem like they interviewed anyone else, you know, before just kind of giving him the job. It was right very away. much more emotional with the ties. I would it was. It, this is a very sentimental team, um, and I think that move kind of reflects that. Um, then bringing in a guy like uh, Ricky Rubio, which we can get into in a minute, kind of reflects that. Uh, bringing in Carl Towns' best friend, D'Angelo Russell, reflects that. But um, yeah, overall, I, I, I don't blame it. I. I put less blame on Saunders and more blame on the pieces that he has to work with. Um, I mean, they've put together some talent, you know, but it's like between Malik Beasley and Anthony Edwards, you know, two kind of guys that want to play not the same game, but similar games as to kind of, need the ball in their hands and can can fill it up as far as, you know, getting you some points, but not really defenders, kind of play the same position. It's just, I, this team is just really poorly built. Um, you know, Ricky That's, Rubio yeah. is, uh, well, I'll just say, D'Angelo Russell has been slightly underwhelming as well. Um, we, we know Russell's under, we, we know Russell's limitations at this point. Uh, the guy isn't a max player. Um, 
And I just think that, like, yes, Malik Beasley is a good, talented player, but I don't love his fit on this team. Yes, Anthony Edwards is a good, talented prospect. Um, I probably, I, I said, you know, beforehand that I probably would have gone with Lamella Ball if I were them. They obviously didn't go that way. But, you know, it's like Anthony Edwards doesn't really fit in with, you know, the, the D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley backcourt all that great. I mean, it works okay, but, you know, it, the big one that I look at was bringing in Ricky Rubio, which I just think was such a big mistake from the moment they did it. Like, looking at the way that this roster is built, and obviously they're without Juancho Hernan Gomez right now, and you know what, you know, Jared Vanderbilt has played well, Jaden McDaniels, you know, seems to show some promise, but would you rather have James Johnson on a $16 million expiring or two years of Ricky Rubio at nineteen million on your team right now. I, mean, I would rather have James Johnson. Yeah, I think he would have a better fit on the squad, and I don't think it's that close. In terms of a guy who can, yeah, huh? He gives them the defensive presence at that power forward spot. A little playmaking from there, a little shooting from there. A little playmaking, yeah. Like Ricky Rubio, not only is Ricky regressed this season, but it's just it never made sense to me. He doesn't fit well with D'Angelo Russell. You know, and he's just an expensive, a super expensive backup point guard who you're going to have to pay next year as well. You know, I, if I were them, I would be doing anything I could to try to move them. But I just think it was a mistake to trade for him in the first place. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think that it I, – I feel like Rube almost uh, – so when he first got traded to the Timberwolves, I was like, okay, cool. You know, there's the coming home storylines, yada, yada, yada. I'm almost thinking that Rubio was better, would have been better served staying in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I think he would have been. I mean, you know, I think his fit next to Shea Gilgis Alexander would be much better than – and, you know, I don't, I don't blame OKC for making the move. It's just I, – I don't – I don't get – other than let's bring Ricky home – what is the reason for making this trade? I don't see it. You um, have your point guard that yeah. you've invested so much in, and you go out and bring in another point guard that doesn't fit with him at all, who is extremely expensive. It almost reminds me, and this is a horrible analogy, so hate me for it off the top, but remember um, remember when um, – I can't think now. Um – Remember, um, come on, Corbin, get it to your head. Okay, uh, Robot Chicken. Remember the six million uh, peso guy? And they kept saying we have the technology, and that was why they put ridiculous upgrades on him, just because yeah. they had the opportunity to do so. Such a random, I know, a random analogy, but that's the <laughs> only one I have in mind right now for what happened. It was like, well, we can do this, so let's just bring on this guy, and oh, we can do this, so let's just bring on that guy, even if it doesn't make any sense, you know, at all. And, and, and it really doesn't. I I don't understand what was the the mindset behind it in terms of fit. I guess you could talk yourself, as I did, into bringing on Rubio as like a mentor, someone who is still at 30, kind of in his prime, but able to kind of transition to a bench role while giving the reins to D'Angelo Russell, coming in, pacing that second unit, playing along with Anthony Edwards, kind of getting him into the league and kind of kind of ushering him along against second units as a veteran point guard, you know, and really kind of helping his development in that way while also lightening Rubio's load against second units and keeping an offensive engine off the bench for Minnesota when you bring off Carl Anthony Towns 
and D'Angelo Russell. And then you add to the fact that Rubio has chemistry with with um, Towns being there from when Towns first came into the league. You know, you could talk yourself into the idea as to why. At least in my head, you could. Because bottom line, without Rubio, you still um, would have had a hole at point guard. Um, because, you know, Beasley playing the two, Anthony Edwards being the two or the three, but definitely not playing the one. And then, of course, D'Angelo Russell can't play at all 48 minutes. So in my mind, he was just a high level, probably at best, too good to be a backup point guard. Point guard. At worst is everything we're seeing right now. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you, you bring up all those points, but do you really want that at $19 million a year? Now, again, we have the te- – no. Okay, of course you don't <laughs> – of course you don't um, want that. You know, no. That, I, I would say that. You no. Know, and I was kind of surprised that he didn't get scooped up by anybody. I would have converted, or I guess not converted, but signed Jordan McLaughlin to, you know, I think, I, I'm surprised that he didn't get an offer from anybody because that's somebody who I think was, did a fine job filling that backup point guard role last year. And on this team, again, Richie Rubio is probably the better player, yeah, but on a team that isn't going absolutely nowhere, why not bring in your, your young guy who, you know, showed some promise last year who was way, way, way cheaper. So, you know, that's an option that I would have gone with. And then you could you could find a minimum point guard or, you know, bring in another prospect. It, again, it's not like you're playing for anything at this point anyway. But, yeah, um, that's what you're saying. At that point, it would have been all, all gravy at that end. Like, you can bring in somebody to replicate or do something more easily suited that fits your needs there. You're right. You didn't have to have a high-caliber backup point guard. You just needed somebody. Yeah. Uh, One thing I will say, just kind of to end this on a positive note for the Timberwolves, I do really, really, really like Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, The guy is just – he's all arms and legs, and he's so strong, and he plays with a lot of energy. Um, He's been – you know, I think a pretty good defender for him. Like on a night like tonight, when well, and less so tonight when Naz Reed was back, but last night when um they were without Naz and Carl Anthony Towns, he played you know backup center behind Ed Davis and did I think a respectable job on Andre Drummond, about as good as you can hope that he would do. Yeah, just someone that you know, if he can ever really figure out an offensive game, I think will be someone who may even have a chance at being a starter in the league. Like I just think. His physical okay. tools and his defensive instincts are already there. Um, I just, I, I'm really high on Jared Vanderbilt. I like the guy a lot. Yeah, no, he's nice. Someone who's finally getting some run, like you said, being able to kind of flourish in this role. If there's anything you look at for the Wolves, and it's really going to turn to that very fast coming up, it's going to be, okay, what development can we get from these young guys? And then it is going to shed more light on a guy, like you said, Jordan McLaughlin, what he could do in more, with more a role, more of a role, more minutes. Because what else are you going to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's something. That's something. I'm going to take this opportunity. I'll just say one more thing. The Timberwolves are still fools for letting go of Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Yeah, oh, that was... We can move on. Huh? I oh, you we No, no, I'm with you. That was that was ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm gonna leave it right at that because you're right. That does make sense just to do that. But let's talk about the Lakers. Uh, you know, despite a game where LeBron shot five or twelve from the field, and AD could only cobble together two rebounds in 35 minutes, <laughs> the Lakers were able to beat the Hawks 107-99. They clamped down on the defensive end. Uh, 
even though they got the, the bonus with like five minutes left in the fourth quarter, they were able to make stuff happen. Uh, that's really all I got for it as far as notes for you. Uh, no one looked spectacular for the Lakers. Dennis Schroeder played well. You know, got a key steal against uh, his old team, but I almost feel bad saying that where it's been like two teams in five years in the back burner now. So it's kind of weird saying that, but it is what it is. Um, Montrose Harrow looked nice. Alex Caruso did Alex Caruso things. That's solid. For the Hawks, I mean, they, they looked really good at times. Um, and we're not just talking, of course, uh, Trey Young, who, oh, man, I'm getting tired of the way he foul, gets foul calls, yo. Like, he knows how to milk these calls that are just infuriating, my dude. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, 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 he's a great passer. Great passer. He had a, he was one of four from three, but that one three he hit was clutch. Uh, really to bring the Hawks within one from the logo. It was fire. You know, the guy converts free throws, 25 points, 16 assists, a great stat line, but no, I am not a fan of the way he gets some of these BS calls. It's just, it's ridiculous to me. Uh, aside from that, looking any more notes before I throw it over to you, uh, John Collins had a good night, uh, had some nice moves. One where he like, Basically, kind of, I mean, at the time, let's be real, AD had four fouls, but he basically like, pushed him aside and dunked on 22.7 boards for him. Clint Capella definitely feasts off the pick and roll with Young because Young just kept penetrating to the basket. 16 points, 13 rebounds for him. And that was really all I, all I really uh, had for them. Uh, you know, it wasn't really a great Danilo Gallinari 2 of 10, Kevin Hurd 3 of 8. You know, Solomon Hill had some threes in it 14 minutes. Rajon Rondo had five points, but... That was that was really just about it. All the production for the Hawks came from their starters. They faded down the stretch. The Lakers held on, and that's all they wrote. Yeah, I, I didn't watch this game. I might, you know, watch a condensed version of it or something tomorrow. Yeah. But um, I will say I was I was busy recording my own pod, and then the Cavs were playing. I just never got a chance to really check in on it. But uh, I did see on Twitter afterwards the idiot fan yelling at LeBron uh, courtside yep. without a mask on. So, shout out to go, that. Girl. Shout out to the idiot. Way to go. Uh, as she said, uh, you know, she would have beaten LeBron up, and she's 25 yeah. years old, which, like, geez, that's that's our age range, like, in that bracket. Like, I'm, I'm ashamed. <laughs> then again, I don't have that much money, so, you know, maybe I'm not as ashamed. I mean, I could probably beat LeBron in a fight, couldn't you? You know what, man? I trust you, Justin. I'm 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 gonna be very uh very cognizant of my own abilities, and I'm gonna say nah on that one. But listen, you got my full backing. I'm gonna be up in the stands rooting for you with a mask around my nose. No, I'm like, <laughs> but yeah, that's all we got now. Well, let's uh let's bounce it over real quick to. I'm trying to think of the other inter- interesting game. You know what? There was a couple, but before we get to Phoenix, I want to see what you thought about Charlotte. I mean, obviously we didn't get a really chance to watch it, but. From what we know over here, I mean, I glanced at a little bit of it. Uh, really, all you need to know is Malik Monk went off off the bench. 40 minutes off the bench. The dude went off for 36 points, 11 to 18 from the field, 9, 3 points, 9 of 13. But he didn't just do that. Five rebounds, two assists as well. Uh, all I remember is this is a tough game. Uh, his late three-pointer really pushed it to OT, where the Hornets pushed past the Heat. I know Jimmy Butler was trending earlier because he had a play where he made a big shot for Miami. And he was hyped up. He's like, give me the beeping ball. Give me the beeping ball. And then, you know, the Heat turned to him later on to win the game. And they gave him the beeping ball. And he uh, didn't make the beeping shot. And that's all they beeping wrote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got for that as far as a recap. But Malik Monk, man, I, 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 before we move on here, have you have you ever gotten – because I'm happy to say I did not sell all my stock in Malik Monk. Did you? Did you abandon Malik Monk at this, at this time of need? See, 
you like these, and especially on the Hornets because you got the whole Terry Rozier thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, you I got like, a type. I got you a type. Are a, you are a, you, you have a type. You like the inefficient shot creators <laughs> who can occasionally, you know, fill it up and everyone, you know. Yep. Oh, yeah. look at the nice <laughs> pad. I mean, one in every hundred games in which they go 11 for 18 and put up 36 points off the game. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, Lee Monk had a, had a great game, obviously. Um, it, it, <laughs> it's just a thing with consistency for him because um, when he doesn't shoot the ball well, it's not like he really does a whole lot else. Um, just looking at the you know the box score, obviously, again, I haven't watched this game, but a couple assists as well. Um, and probably, you know, with him having the shooting night that he had, he probably had the hand, ball in his hands a lot. So, you know, that's understandable. But, um, yeah, overall, yeah. I mean, if he could just shoot 69% from three every night, you know, maybe I'd have a little bit more confidence in the guy. There you go. Yeah. Buyout candidate Cody Zeller had a double-double, 19 points, 12 rebounds, yeah. uh, two assists. Yeah. I'm looking at him. Devontae Graham has been bouncing back. He actually had a, a nice game. If it wasn't from Malik Monk, we might have given more love to him. Uh, 24 points, four rebounds, five assists, six three-pointers of a cell on his own, on six of 11 from out there. Uh, Gordon Hayward's having a career year, which is crazy at, what, 30-31. But he had another strong game. So, you know, 19 points, six rebounds, three assists, a plus 18 in 41 minutes. All in all, it took a team effort to really withstand this Heat team that everyone has different reasons for why they lost. Um Bam on the bio said basically you have to defend better. Um, yeah, I would say so when you give 129, defend better. But I think there's a little bit more than that. Uh, Jimmy Butler played pretty decent, 25 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. He's back. That's helpful. Uh, Bam's been good. Duncan had a solid game. Tyler Hero has not. He's not played well as of late. Uh, really just, what, 11 points, 8 assists, which is good. But on 32% from the, uh, 30% from the field, 42% from 3. Uh, all three of his conversions were from from deep. Max Struss would probably, in my mind, from what I'm looking at right now, be the best player for Miami in this uh, in this loss to Charlotte. Struss came off the bench and he strutted his stuff. Nope. Okay, I'm not the commentator, but listen, I did what I could. Um, 19 <laughs> points, five threes. Uh, shout out, shout out to uh, Bo Estes. You know, that's the that's the dude. That's the legend. Uh, also, Goran Dragic, 24 minutes, one of nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, everyone has you know your nights where you, you shoot the ball poorly. Um, not LeBron. No, I'm not kidding. LeBron. I'm but, um, kidding. You know, I'm you, kidding. You know, you look at um, I mean, in the Cavs game, Tarian Prince, you know, I think what did he go tonight? He went one for seven from three, mm-hmm. two for ten from the field. Whoa, but, whoa. But I look at with. I'm sorry, saying? I can't do that to you. I can't say it. Justin. I can't do that. You can't go. Everybody has a bad game. Let's look at the Cavs. Like, like, like they're they're playing better. But I don't look at the barometer for for good and bad teams now. Let's let's call them down here. Okay, I'm just saying, you know, just no. I'm giving you a hard time. You talk about, you know, oh yeah, you know, Tarian Prince has been fine, you know, like, but you know, he, he and what the point I was making here. Is, I know. Is, I'm sorry. Um, Goran Dragic had eight assists in this game. He had seven rebounds. Um, you know, he was doing other things, obviously. Uh, than scoring the ball, which you know is important, I think, when you're you're having an off night like this. Well, I don't know if I've. Where's your? Where's that? The Russell Westbrook defense, though. Except. Uh, what? What? Hey, you're gonna try to say is is you not know, I'll, again? What? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. You okay. know what? 
I, 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 I defended Russell Westbrook tonight. I defended him for you. You know, you what? know what? That is true. You, that you're going to keep putting me on the spot with him. You're just going to keep milking well, listen, out every Listen, I don't know when I'll have what? another game as good as this one. I have to I have to rub it to every, Like, I might just do another mass retweet to add everyone today. I don't know. It, I got to get the level <laughs> I can. Because, <laughs> you know. I, I tried to find a spin on that that I could, you know, talk negatively about Russell. But, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll, I appreciate I'll, that. I'll let you ride this wave. I'll let you okay. ride this wave. No. I, no, no jokes at the expense of Russell Westbrook tonight. I'll, Thank I'll, you. I'll leave him. I'll leave him alone. Thank but, you. Um, sir. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, and, you know, I'll actually get to it in a minute because um, I, you said something earlier. Do you think that Cody Zeller is a bio candidate? I do. I do. I think I... that, like, I mean, obviously they played well without him, but. Yeah. I would much rather, and this is a team that is, you know, seemingly right there in that playoff race and the play-in race, at least. Mm-hmm. I would much rather have Cody on the floor than, than uh, what's his face, Bismack Biombo. You don't like you don't like veteran presence, Bismack Biombo. I like veteran presence, Cody Zeller. Ah, there you go. There you go. Nineteen that, points, twelve rebounds. Come on, Corbin. You gotta. I, I think if the, if the, if the Hornets were to fall off a cliff, obviously, yes, this guy is a candidate. But, like, the dude's making some serious money this year still. Like, I I don't think he'll get bought out. I think that they're, I think that the Hornets are interested in keeping him. You know what? I mean, for long term, here's the thing. I mean, with the, with the team as they're constructed right now, do we really know what their future plans are? Because they're such a weird squad. Because like like you're right like okay do you, you do you go youth movement do you build around your vets and what Gordon Hayward and and Cody Zeller I can tell you how that's gonna end and that's not gonna be very pretty you know what I mean like is this I don't know if he's their long term answer want them to be, huh I don't know if he's their long term answer but like for the time being like what are they gonna for a team that's trying to make the playoffs this season what are they gonna go out and get that's better than Cody Zeller. I mean, they could just say, hey, P.J. Tucker, we're going to give you all. Well, I mean, he's my, he's been getting all the minutes he needs anyway. I guess you're right. You're not going to find anyone better, but I guess what is – I don't know what you're stealing. You're going to do a playing game? I mean, that is actually – here's the thing. You're right. For as good as this team has been, and I'm saying that just relative to expectations, uh, yeah, I guess there is something to be said for having guys like, you know, Gordon Hayward, uh, having guys like Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham who are, you know, I don't want to say win now – well – Definitely Gordon Hayward is a win-now play, which made this whole yeah. kind of side and trade that much more puzzling. But guys like Rozier and, and Graham, who are still young enough semi to kind of go either way. Uh, and then what that does for a guy like LaMelo Ball, a P.J. Washington, uh, a Miles Bridges, you know, guys who haven't had playoff experience of, of any type. Yeah, I, I guess I see where you're coming from that perspective. Um, at the same time, I could just easily see, okay, you if this is the for real what this team is, then it's different. Then we're like, okay, we keep him in. If not, what are we doing when, you know, you could, you know, are you going to bring him back? Like if you, let's say they do go on a slide, uh, let's just say over the next month, right? You're obviously reevaluating where you're at. Are you say, okay, we're going to keep him. We're looking to extend him for what, uh, a playoff push next season? Because that's the case, then, then okay, fine. You know, whatever whatever floats your boat. If not, I, I do see like a Marvin Williams type situation, I would think, where, Okay, let him go, and then we'll see what team. That's a problem. What team would desperately need a center, you know, or some additional size? I don't really have that offhand, but in my head, yeah, I thought he was someone I would easily look at as like a possible one. But now you're giving me calls for pause. I mean, the Nets could use him. Oh, um, I forgot about the Yes, of course they could. 
I mean, it's but, a shame uh, that they could use uh-huh. him when they had a better a better center out of this whole deal. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, I think you don't make a move for Gordon Hayward, which, again, you can debate that. We have debated it before. But you don't make a move like that if you're not trying to win this season. And unless they do slip, you know, quite heavily this year, I think mm-hmm. as long as they have a chance to make it into the play-in, I think that Cody Zeller is going to be here. And that's not to say that they're looking to extend him and he's a part of their long-term plan. It's just, yeah, this is a team that wants to win this season. And it just doesn't really make sense to buy out Cody if, you know, unless you really are just reevaluating and saying, you know what, this team is not going to make it anywhere this season. You know, we, we were out of the playing race, you know, it would take a miracle for us to get back in it. Then let Cody go. But I think even if you know, your plan isn't to extend them, which I don't really, unless it's, you know, just a really cheap contract, I don't see why that really would be in the plans. I think, like I said, I just think it makes sense to keep them. I think that's the best option that they have for this season. And you can agree or disagree with their strategy, but it is yeah. what it is. I, I that's where they're going. Yeah. No, no, you make you make a good point. I I I have to look back. It's gonna. This, what's weird about this is that the bio market isn't at all like shaken out. You know what I mean? Like, what is that going to look like? Uh, and I guess that's another conversation for another show, another day. But it is weird, like right now, and I don't really have. I mean, he's. Oh, I, I can tell I you what. I'll tell you what the buyout market's going to look like. What? Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. Just ask Twitter. Oh. <laughs> when you first said, I'm like, uh, are, you, are you okay, Justin? Yeah, of course, because those guys are, are just definitely going to walk away from all that money. And, yeah, sign with the Nets and, and the Clippers. Although, Drummond to the Nets would be interesting. Uh, I, I don't know, interesting in a good way, but it would be something. Huh? <laughs> it's not going to happen. Oh, but, uh, oh, no way. No way. I mean, you don't – I mean – the only way it would happen is in a trade that's not possible, and he's not walking away from that money. You're right. Like, that's why, like, joke aside, I see what you mean. Like, it's just not plausible. And that's why I'm not really sure where I look at a team that's like, oh, yeah, easy bow guy. Where last year and, you know, even in years past where it was more obvious that this guy, you know, remember back when the salad days of the Cavs where you knew that, you know, they're looking at guys like Andrew Bogut and Darren Williams off the maps. And you knew that was a possibility for the moment they signed their contract with those teams, you know? So yeah. it's not like that this year, and whether that's a lot because of, you know, obviously COVID and whatever else is happening, uh, it is what it is there. But, like, it is weird that we have discussions probably going to go right up until buyout season that we're like, hey, uh, who's available? Who can be gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let, let's uh, run over real quick. Probably not going to get through every game. We're already in classic, uh, you know, Corbin and Justin fashion here just over an hour uh, just, just talking hoops here, but at this point, I do want to talk about the Pelicans because you know there was talk about uh, possible uh, trades here in terms of, uh, or at least the Pelicans looking for trades for Lonzo Ball for JJ Redick. Uh, the Pelicans did play. The Pelicans did coincidentally lose to the Kings, uh, one eighteen one oh nine. I mean, we had a strong game if we're talking about from the Kings end from a De'Aaron Fox who wow thirty eight points. 12 assists. I watched some of this game. Uh, I watched, actually, I saw all three of his threes. I missed uh, the other seven. But uh, 58% from the field, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Buddy healed uh, 16 points on 16 shots, but whatever, 15 of those being threes. But, you know, who cares about that? Tyrese Halliburton, my uh, fantasy hero. Uh, yeah, because my fantasy team sucks. But, you know what? The dude did not have the shooting stroke going at all. Uh, five points on two of seven, but he made an impact in other ways. Had a career high 11 boards, threw in six assists for good measure. And yeah, that was enough to 
you know, actually withstand a pretty balanced scoring attack from the Pelicans. They were led by Brandon Ingram, 20 points on a very efficient 20 shots. That's a joke, y'all. I'm just kind of going on my MVP takes because I was uh, loud and proud about Ingram for MVP. And now I'm trying to, outside of this one, like, plug at myself, I'm going to forget I ever said that. And I hope you do do as well. Uh, Zion, 17 points, hit a three for the first time, I want to say, since what? Early last year? Good while. Good while. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's hit a three this year. Uh, I remember. One three this year? Hold on. I don't think so. Before tonight, I don't think he has. I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen him take one, but I haven't watched every Pelican. No, no, I have Oh, no, he did make one. He made one the night before against the Rockets. Okay. Or, 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 no, no, my fault. He made one on, no, I said it right the first time. Yeah, he made one against the Rockets. So, uh, for the season, uh, the dude is 2-8 from 3. And then last year, remember, he was... Uh, six of fourteen, and four of those case, four of those makes came, came in his first game. Exactly, we all know that was an explosive game. And since then, I mean, the dude is a thirty-six percent shooter, I guess, on a very low. Uh, he's eight of twenty-two <laughs> in his career from three. <laughs> Somehow eight. that looks good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, aside from that, what do you think about first? I mean, I could say the Pelicans' performance in this game, they they did okay. I mean, going back down the line. Uh, Eric Bledsoe had 14 points, four assists. Lonzo Ball, 14 points. Josh Hart, 15. Willie Hernan Gomez came, saw, and had 13 points himself. But I think this was less of a game of the uh, Pelicans losing, which they totally did, and more of a game where the Kings just took over, Darren Fox specifically down to stretch. But kind of looking outside of that game and more in general with the way that the Pelicans are, what do you think about those possible trades talks for Alonzo Ball and a, uh, a J.J. Redick? Can I give my prediction for uh, J.J. Redick destination? Please do. Boston. I think it's it's just a kind of one of those things that makes too much sense again. Really? Um, so, yeah. J.J. is making, what, $13 million this year? Just about. Let me check Fitch that to make sure. Well into that uh, trade exception that they got for Gordon Hayward. Um, it keeps them under the luxury tax. Like, if you're looking at, you know, what Boston can do with their trade exception, basically, if they're going to try and trade for somebody this season, it can't be over, I believe, $22 million because then they're at the hard cap. But um, I'm just not sure what else they're going to do that's better than that. Like, a guy who's, like, readily available on the market, um, a team that needs, you know, that kind of shooting that he would provide. Yeah. Like, I just feel like J.J. is, like, a perfect fit in what Boston has going on. Yeah, you know what? I mean... A team that has lacked a a true knockdown shooter for a while now. I know they went out and got Aaron Neesmith, who I think can become that, but he's not that right now. Isn't that right now? That's for certain. Yeah. You're looking at someone who could take pressure off of a Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know, someone who could play in the backcourt alongside a Kemba Walker, give him some space come off the bench for stretches, and yeah, I agree with you. Even though, I mean, J.J. Reddick's shooting on a characteristically poor percentage from three, but you have to look at some of that on maybe the quality of looks he's getting. Yeah, I don't think that you can take that with any real concern. Like, J.J.'s going to be fine. We know what he is at this point. And, you know, when he has guys like Jason Tatum and Kemba and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart generating, well, Marcus Smart I put in there would be nice. Oh, but about, I'm like, yeah generating looks for him instead of Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball. And, I mean, like, 
he's going to get more open looks than he gets right now in New Orleans. It just it's the spacing is so bogged down there between Stephen Adams and Zion and again Lonzo and Eric Bledsoe to where you know it's it's a lot easier for teams to key in on him and guard him. Yeah. Whereas in Boston, there's just too many other things they have to focus on, and I just I feel like it. Maybe you can find a better situation for him, but it'd be hard pressed. And for a team that has a trade exception that could just fit him right in, like it literally feels just like a perfect fit to me. I see what you're saying. No, for sure, for sure, it's a fit that I hadn't thought about. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I don't even know why I hadn't. It just hadn't come to mind. But now that you're bringing it up in that way, I can't not think. Like, yeah, that does make uh, a lot of sense in terms of where he could go. But now I give you a much more interesting one in my mind: Lonzo Ball. Can I do it? Can I Let's, can I make my Lonzo ball to the Cavs take? You know what? Let's hear it. Oh, whoa, okay, whoa, so. whoa, whoa, whoa. You did that so well. <laughs> you, I said, let's hear it. You had already said it. Whoa, I didn't like that. Oh, I didn't like that. You said, you said my Lonzo ball to take. I said, yeah, let's hear it. And then it hit me to the Cavs. To the Cavs? Where does that – okay, you come up with the perfect this – is, this is just an experience. You come up with the perfect fit. Uh, you know, on paper, between J.J. Redick and the Celtics. And then you throw me the wonky one in my mind, because I, I – what? Between Alonzo Ball and the Cavs. Where? How? You have Sexlin in there. Okay, do you want the where or the how? Which one do you want first? Uh, let's, 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 do the, let's do the where, Lord. The where? Okay. So you talk about Sexlin being there. Now, I'm not sure if Brandon Ingram would start on this team. But he's what, twenty three years old right now? Oh, Ingram? Yeah. Well, no, Ingram, Lonzo, Lonzo. Oh, oh, okay. I was about to say I'm like Ingram. I'm like Ingram starting on whatever team. Yeah, yeah. Um Lonzo twenty three, yeah. Twenty three. So sure you have Lonzo coming in a, in a hypothetical situation That's where funny. he's on the Cavs. All right. Um, and I actually I just talked about this a little bit more in depth on a Cavs Central Pod tonight if anyone wants to go listen to that. But um to give the, the brief version here, I think that he is somebody who fits into the defensive identity of this team uh, that has been kind of one of the, you know, the surprises this year. I think Lonzo Ball comes in and just solidifies that even further. Um, he's a long-term you know, age fit with this team. Um, he, can, he can grow along with everyone else. And, uh, yes, the Cavaliers have two young guards that they're looking at as the future of the team. But the thing is, even if Lonzo Ball isn't going to start, What's the problem with the Cavaliers right now is that they have Darius Garland as their starting point guard, Colin Sexton as their starting two guard, and then as far as like backup ball handlers, they have Damian Dobson, who they actually went to a little bit more tonight. But since guys have become more healthy, Damian Dobson has not been getting minutes for this team consistently. They've been going to guys like, well, they've been going to, with Matthew Dolvadova out, they've been going to Colin Sexton as their backup point guard which has, yeah. you know, been a mixed bag. We obviously know that Colin Sexton can score. Um, you know, he's shown improvements as a playmaker, but the guy just isn't a lead, you know, ball handler, lead facilitator, lead playmaker for a team. Okay. Lonzo Ball comes in, whether he starts or not, he can play heavy minutes next to both Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. I think he's a great fit next to either of them. Uh, next to Darius, he can... Still more of an off-ball role. Um, the shooting is obviously a concern. 
But if he can get that turned around, um, I think he can work well as a secondary playmaker next to Darius. You know, they can kind of work off each other. Um, I think that's the nice thing about Lonzo Balls, even with the shooting kind of being suspect. He can yeah. kind of work on or off ball well. And I don't know if you want Lonzo at this point to be, you know, your like your sole ball handler on the floor. But with mm-hmm. two combo-ish guards and Sexton and Garland, I would still call Derek Garland a point guard. But, you know, he kind of can play, you know, either or. And I think having a guy like Lonzo who can also play either or next to him, I think both that fit and the fit next to Colin Sexton, who, again, wants to take on that primary scoring role, Lonzo can take on the role of setting guys up. It just, it, it well, it does seem weird at first. I yeah. think that would actually work out really, really nicely. I'm coming around. I'm co- it's, ah, I'm coming around a little bit. I was saying, and I, I mean, team, huh? Or, what were you saying? I was going to say, where it gets dicey with this team is when it comes to extensions, because obviously he's going to be arrested free agent at the end of the season. So is Jared Allen. Uh, Colin Sexton is going to become extension eligible. So that's where it kind of gets dicey when you're looking at, you know, what all these guys are going to get as far as money moving forward. That's um, true. If you want to dedicate that money there, I think at that point, getting off of Kevin Love would be pretty important just to free up salary for these young guys. But um, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I mean, ah, it's weird because now you've talked me into a spot where I'm like, okay, I can sort of see. In my mind, I'm like, I think where, where Lonzo might fit on his next team is more like a wing, you know? And I feel like Cleveland has the backcourt locked up. Uh, I think Isaac Okoro, you're going to have him at the three and the four. You're playing Lonzo at the two and the three. You can swing between the one and the three. He's more like a, a higher-grade microcard Williams at this point in my mind, you know, in terms of, like, his position and maybe not being a, a, the sole on-ball creator, uh, especially with his uh, just, again, a little bit better, but just inability to run pick-and-rolls, I think. Um, but uh, it's just weird. Like, I'm hearing what you're saying, and I'm processing it. I'm like, okay, that makes enough sense. But Cleveland was so off the radar for me. You know, I was I was joking about a Caruso for a Lonzo swap. <laughs> that's, I that's, mean, huh? I was saying that's interesting. That's a take. Yeah, it's, it's a take. It's a take. Uh, Chicago will be a team. I thought Minnesota will be a team. You know, uh, what about even a, a squad like uh, New Orleans? I mean, not New Orleans, uh, Charlotte. <laughs> That's why I like New Orleans, a team that has. You know what? I will say let's do New or let's. I will say yes to Charlotte purely so that we can have the two brothers there. Well, Um, other than that, that, I don't know. Like, okay, so you don't like the fit. You don't like the fit on the Cavs, but you like the fit next to Terry Rozier and Lamelo. Well, no, I would think one of those guys would have to go over to Charlotte. I mean, to New Orleans. Okay, so then you like the fit with one of those two guys and and Devontae Graham. Yeah, but Devontae Graham's not long for... Oh, I see what you're saying. All right. Well, like, in my mind, Devontae Graham isn't isn't long for Charlotte, right? In fact, oh, I'm really? saying this... Okay. I mean, I mean, okay, so you have Rogier, right? You have yeah. LaMelo. Do you look yeah. at, at Rogier? I mean, you, if you're going to go... LaMelo's your starting point guard, period. Do you look yeah. at Devontae as a long-term bench piece? Because if that's how you're looking at it, then, okay, by all means, keep him around. You know what I mean? But he's not going to be your two. He's undersized as a one as is. He's not that kind of guy. He had a horrible start to the year. Uh, he's it's not a young guy. Cover, I don't. I don't hate him as my starting two. 
Devontae? Yeah. Why not? I mean, the dude's six. Uh, He's playing Lamelo Ball. Lamelo's six seven. He can eventually, you hope, take on the more difficult defensive assignment. True. I just look at if we're gonna do that, then I'd rather have Terry Rozier than Devontae Graham. If I'm if I have the pick between either of those guys as my two, Terry's just a better scorer, a more consistent guy. You know, from that effect, like Devontae's. And don't get me wrong, I love me some Devontae Graham. I just don't know if that's going to be in Charlotte long term. I think that he had an explosion. I just think that his inability, and, and it's not like Graham, uh, uh, Rozier is that much better, but finishing at the rim, uh, if anything, I think you could say, if we're going to say a three-level score, Graham is great oh, from Graham three. certainly takes it. Yeah, yeah. And then... And then I was going to say, Rozier, I was going to say, is, is more of a complete score. I didn't and that's... Yeah, so if I'm going to have... If I'm taking those two and I pick one as my two-guard... I'm definitely going Rozier, and you have at least a little bit of a playmaking element from him, whereas Devontae, you probably have definitely a lot more of a point guard element there at the two-yard spot, but you don't have a lot of that scoring. You have a guy who can bomb away from three, you know, more of a Yogi Ferrell type guy, and I'm not saying that just because the small guys shoot threes, but I'm saying that struggle finish at the rim and can make a mid-ranger, but that's nowhere near their cup of tea, you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know. I, again, I haven't, we're going to talk about this, this is a team uh, well, one of these squads are on my team of, of, of teams to worry about, so we're going to have a conversation with that. And by that point, I hope that I've done some trade uh, NBA mock-throughs to kind of have some thoughts out here. But this is just a stream of consciousness in terms of thinking about how this would work, and I, I just don't know. I mean, you're right. Lonzo and LaMelo would be interesting for the stories and everything, of course. Uh, play-wise, I mean, you can have a backward with those two. Yeah, yeah, sure you can. And it could work. Now, uh, what the, else the shooting is a little bit iffy. But Between the both of them, yeah, you're looking at, like, you know, middle of the pack, 30% from three, you know, mid-30s from three, you know. Uh, on a good and day. You're right. Huh? On a good day, mid-30s. On, on a good day, exactly. But then I'm looking at guys like, you know, I, I would still think you keep Malik Monk and, okay, I let him Malik Monk because I like Malik Monk. But obviously any other rational NBA fan is not saying Malik Monk right after saying the future of the team. Exactly. Uh, you know, you still have Miles Bridges. You still have P.J. Washington. In my mind, you had the foundation. I like Jalen McDaniels. You had the foundation of, like, a good team here. Gordon Hayward's not going anywhere, so he's someone that can kind of bridge the gap. This just this just a thought in my head. But I think that Lonzo, you know, I'm going to save it. We're going to talk about him more later, so I'm going to save it. Um, but I think that there's uh, some intriguing fits for him, most certainly. Well, I'll also say this. When you're looking at, you know, from a New Orleans standpoint, when you're talking about trading Lonzo, what do you want back in a return? I mean, if I can get late first, am I happy with that? Like, like, what do you think Lonzo's value is? I mean, you're getting him on, the, on a deal that you're going to have to, like, re-extend. Like, you're going to have to pony up for him. You're not getting a value on that end. You have to be really enamored with Lonzo at this point, right? And at this point, Lonzo kind of – I don't want to say he is what he is, but, like uh, – I mean, I'm not going to say it. There you go. I'm not going to say he is what he is, but I'm not going to not say it. Fair enough. But, um, uh-huh. again, I, I just want to circle back around to the Cleveland thing and more of the how. Uh, I think you look at, you know, teams that, you know, are that make sense to trade for them. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers have a pretty clear package as well as far as they can trade basically – Jetty Osmond for Lonzo Ball straight up if they wanted to. Obviously, it would take more than Jetty Osmond for Lonzo. But so you do add Jetty and like a future Cleveland first that, you know, maybe you make it out into the future by the time the team is competitive, so that ends up being kind of a mid to late first. 
and I don't know, throw in whatever else you want. But I like as far as just like a player type on this team, the Cavaliers yeah. also, you know, on top of that first round pick, can offer them a shooting wing in Jetty Osmond, who I think would fit in really, really nicely here. That's the like you look yeah. at their roster, like Josh Hart is fine as a shooter off the bench. Like obviously Brandon Ingram is a shooting wing. But past that, like, who do they really have? Akil Alexander Walker, you know, maybe kinda in that spot. Yeah. They have Sundarius Thornwell, who is not, you know, the future of this team. Like Jetty Osman, I've been, you know, as critical as anybody about, you know, his shortcomings, which are especially in a increased role in, in Cleveland like he's had at times, you know, made very, very obvious. But in a limited bench role where he can just come in and shoot the ball, the dude's shooting the ball well this year. And that's something that, um, especially if this team were to lose uh, J.J. Redick this season, getting a 25-year-old, you know, small forward who can come off the bench and just fire from three would be another really, really nice piece for this team. That just makes more sense, you know, when you're talking about fit on this team, which, again, the Pelicans have flat-out ignored this offseason. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love Stephen Adams. Uh, again, shout-out to the Russell Westbrook era Thunder. Uh, but, like, his fit there, this team's fit, like you said, is very, very clunky. You know, at some points, you're really having the guy who is your best on-ball creator as your best shooter as well in Brandon Ingram, you know? Yeah. And that's saying something when he's not and will not be the point guard for that team. So, yeah, I'm with you. All right, man. Whew, that was we, – we've gone uh, – uh, well, there's so much more. We have to talk about Phoenix and da- oh, Dallas before we get out of here. I'm about to say yeah, we can't go – we have to go Phoenix and Dallas before we get out of here. But, but I'm going to throw it over to you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you lead with it. What do you think about the way Phoenix and Dallas, that game winner by Devin Booker, uh, Chris Paul having his renaissance kind of in, uh, really finding his groove, I think, while Booker was gone. And now you're seeing more of this idealized version of Phoenix where those two kind of team up. And, I mean, they they kept it in. Now they've kind of sent or helped continue to send Dallas to a swoon. They've now lost their last six. Phoenix is looking kind of pretty right now. Uh Let's get your thoughts on them. For the sake of what I'm about to say, we're going to ignore the fact that uh, Chris Paul basically missed like an open layup late in the game. Yeah, I, I, that never, but, what, what what open layup? He was too open. I tried to say it uh, to my friend Cody on Twitter. He was too open. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, uh, it never happened. But um, <laughs> anyway, back to what I was saying. What a closing duo as far as like, Two guys who can really kill you late in the game. What a what a pairing in the backcourt, and I think you know that came to life tonight. Is just two guys who I thought you know the Mavericks threw some punches late in this game. Again, I was watching the Cavs. I didn't get to see this entire game, but I tuned in late, and the Mavericks just threw punch after punch. You know, coming down the stretch, and guys like you know Booker and Paul just answered every single punch they threw with a punch of their own. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I was a little bit skeptical of how this would work with Chris Paul when it first happened. I think almost all of that, you know, when the when the trade first happened, I think pretty much all of that skepticism has gone out the window. I was just kind of concerned as to, you know, maybe that OKC year was a little bit fluky um, and the age would start to kind of creep in again. That hasn't been the case. Um, obviously, he's playing at a super high level. Uh, Devin Booker yeah. is finding his footing. And I just think, you know, some of the other guys around him have, you know, really just been very, very impressive as well. Um, you know, DeAndre Ayton in particular has figured out the defensive end, which, I mean, 
Yeah, I'm not saying anything new here, but coming into, you know, his career, who would have thought that this guy would at, you know, is it year three for him now? It's like, well, is this guy really going to figure it out on the offensive end? Like, obviously he's good there, but it's like, you know, the defense is his calling card at this point. True. And that's really, really important. Um, Mikhail Bridges is one of my favorite players in the league. Um, I wish my arms were as long as Mikhail Bridges' arms. That'd just be fun. But, um, you know, another guy who can just wreak havoc on defense as well. Uh, Cameron Johnson is shooting the ball like Cameron Johnson shoots the ball. And uh, just looking at some other guys here, I, I like some of the other additions that this team made this offseason. Uh, like Langston Galloway and Etuan Moore, I thought were two, like, really, really, really quality signings. Good depth pieces, for sure, like, yes. Getting both of them on the minimum, like, the Pelicans could use Etuan Moore right now. Mm-hmm. As a shooter. Yeah, they definitely could. And he went to Phoenix on a minimum. Langston Galloway, like, again, is just is play, he played well for him tonight. Another former Pelicans so, wing. Yeah, yeah. So, overall, yeah, I'm very, very, very impressed with what this team has put together uh, outside of drafting Jalen Smith, which we've, again, gotten into and why that was bad. But, um, yeah, you yeah. know what, maybe Jalen Smith will become something. I'm not going to, you know, judge again. I'm not going to judge him right now. But, I am. Uh, looks like they could have maybe gone in a different direction. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> myself. No, I'm playing. But, no, real talk. What do you think about Dallas? Actually, again, I, I kind of want to save it for teams I think are in trouble. But Dallas, I mean, they've had injuries, so I don't want to chalk it up to all of that because a lot of them, they just haven't been – 100%. You know, you got Josh Richardson back. You know, they've had some guys who are out. Porzingis still finding his way. Uh, you had to play Luka Doncic back into shape early. So there was a lot going on there. But, I mean, six in a row is a loss for a team that is supposed to be a contender or at least a quasi-contender, whatever the case may be, is still six in a row. Yeah, and I think that Luka Doncic will shoot the ball better as time goes on. Um, I don't know. It, it's weird with Luka because he continues to take – you know, the super difficult attempts that he always has taken, and they just aren't falling right now. And I guess that part of it is not really, you know, super surprising. Mm-hmm. I think he might have to just kind of reevaluate what he's doing out there a little bit. Um, because, I mean, the guy is still, I mean, very, very effective, you know, scoring the ball in other ways. Um, yeah. And like I said, I think the shooting will come around a little bit. He's never been a good shooter in the league. Like, it's, he's always been like a low 30s guy. Obviously, it's, it's high 20s this year. But um, I think you look at, yeah, some other stuff. Um, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith was out for a while. I think so. Josh Richardson was as well, right? Um, with, with COVID protocols and whatever Yeah, else. exactly. Yeah, he was out for a minute. You said it. And, um, you know, getting Kristaps Porzingis finally, you know, back and healthy and into the fold, I think is going to be really important for this team as well. So, you know, I mean, yeah, the six. The six-game losing streak is obviously alarming. Like, this team has been disappointing this season. There's no denying that. But at the end of the day, you know, I think they have plenty of time to figure it out still, and I think they'll get back on track. I think as all of their pieces kind of come back in and they get everybody on the same page, the Mavericks will be fine. Okay. I'm with you on that. I guess there's no cause for concern for them right now. All right, man. Uh, You got any last thoughts before I let you go here? We're going to be coming right back soon and. I don't want to spoil too much, especially with the cool top we got coming up. But uh, any last any last NBA thoughts for today? <sighs> Man, any last thoughts? Um, 
Shout out to Dennis Smith Jr. for oh yeah, stepping up and, and saying, hey, I'm not getting minutes I will need. Let me go and revert on myself, work on my game. Right. I mean, he's not gonna be long in the mix anyway. Like, I think he's doing the right thing for him. So yeah. There it is. There also, it is. Shout, shout out to Kevin Porter Jr. who hopefully can get his head on straight in the bubble as well. I think having the structure of the of the G League bubble down in, in Orlando is going to be really good for him as well. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm I'm excited to see uh kind of, you know, where where it goes for him and his own personal development, but also the basketball player, you know, seeing how that's realized. I was hyped from him from last year. We talked about this already. Uh just seeing where the young man goes. Young man, he's like we're only a few years older than him. But the point being, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Aside from that, that'll do it here for us, uh, at least for now. You know where to find Justin, uh, Justin Match Twenty Six on Twitter. Check out Cavs Central Pod at Cavs Central Pod, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network at Hoopheads Podnet. Uh, have to be a part of that. Got to get that going on real soon myself. But uh, check them out as well. Great NBA content. A bunch of teams already covered. Many more on the way. Definitely make sure to tune in on that. For this show, y'all already know what it's at. Hoop ball. Everything fantasy. Y'all know where it is. Dan Bespris, Aaron Bruski, Adam King. They got it all over here. Hoop-ball.com. On Twitter, at HoopBallTweets. Check it out. You know it. You love it. Do it. Uh, aside from myself, on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. Uh, you know, check it out. Why not? <laughs> that's 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 a re-endorsement there. But uh, for Justin, for myself, I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and guess what, folks? She's only 25. We'll talk to y'all tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.